Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 86 of Season 4 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com, When Harry Met Sally, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is actually, I guess, who's already been here this season, but uh, I decided that I, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I decided to, to have him come back. So uh, I want to welcome back Alan Sanders from The Wilder Ride. Welcome back, Alan. Hey, but thank you so much for having me back. Um, and I know it's been a, it, the fact is my schedule is not the easiest to work with. And I appreciate you being able to figure out how to get me here via some kind of teleportation time, distemper, time, uh, temporal time displacement. So that way I can make it work for you. Uh, well, it, it took a few weeks, but but that's fine. You know, I, yeah, but for I, the listener, I it's instantaneous. We've, we've found the time. That's right. For them, it's instantaneous. And, and once again, I want to thank you for stepping up when, you know, someone wasn't able to, to make an appearance because, you know, I, I have you on, you know, as, as a regular guest and then you're, you're my backup when, you know, someone, someone ends up canceling on me or, or can't do all the shows or whatever. So, you know, I, so I, I'm going to have you here for, for three days this week because, uh, you know, we, we, I do have, someone who did the final who's going to be doing the final two episodes this week but uh she could only do two episodes so i had to find a fill-in and i said hey why don't i just ask my good buddy uh, alan maybe maybe right. he's willing to to talk a little more about when harry met sally i, I, I don't know it. you know for, and for, you know we can can i do this can i share a little bit behind the covers because i know i did uh, a movies by minutes podcast for a couple of seasons and then it evolved into a talk show but what i really love about you asking me to come back is my co-host went and went through some life changes lost his mom went through some serious bad patches then ended up getting a divorce and just as things were looking as bleak as they can get rekindled an old romance a high school uh friendship i guess from a long time ago who had been recently divorced they ended up on a whirlwind kind of engagement so my buddy walt has been living the the the, the newlywed life for like the last year and a half Good which has meant that the wilder ride which is the show you just introduced me has been kind of in a little bit of limbo i mean there's still shows out there you can still go listen but if it wasn't for you inviting me here i wouldn't be doing this so thank you because I love breaking these movies down. Well, okay, you know, you, you're actually inspiring me. Maybe I'm going to go and, and listen to the Wilder Ride. Maybe I'll I'll listen to some of the some of the episodes that I missed. You know, back that, back you in know, the day. I'd like to I'd like to think that because we picked movies from 1974, it's not like you're going to miss out. They didn't. They're not. They're, they're they're so evergreen. You could go listen to them anytime. Well, because also 74 is the year I was born, so that's like perfect for me. You know. There so you I, go. I didn't see Celebrate either Blazing Saddles or that's right. I didn't see either Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein the year it came out, but uh, you know. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> exactly. You know, but uh, yeah, but I'm I'm glad you were able to 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 come back and join me for for at least another three episodes. You know, and then I'll, I'll if it works, if it works, I'll have you I'll have you come back next season also if it works. Okay. All right. Well, I, you know what? I'm, I'll, I'll try to be on my best behavior then. You do that. You do that. Uh, in, in all honesty, um, I enjoy this because I do um, more of the news talk kind of a show every day. I'm involved in radio where it's a lot of news, news, news. And to have a chance to be able to look at a movie, to break it down, to have an audience, to have some fun, to learn a little bit. Like to me, this is, a, this is like a bit of a mini vacation and still do the thing I love, being behind the microphone. So, Great. you know, Excellent. thank you. 
Yeah, but the problem is, is you know that when you you join me, you you don't know what you're in in for. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, I, I've become accustomed to that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've become accustomed to it. You know. And, all right, so minute eighty six begins with Harry continuing to talk to himself, and ends with a guy flubbing a joke. <laughs> so on Friday we ended things. You know, I had I had uh, Roger and Marcy on. Uh, last week and on Friday we we ended things just with the actually with the word that I know that Alan is really upset that he missed was Malamars you know mm-hmm. and today we continue with with the rest of that I mean uh, we know that Sally is currently at a New Year's Eve party and Harry is just at home and he's trying to make the best of it and trying to convince himself that he's in a good place and that he can you know have fun uh, by himself watching the ball drop uh, on New Year's Eve uh, 1989 you know as as the 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 date changes from 1988 to 1989 and so he continues with his uh narration that we get to hear and he says the greatest cookie of all time and you're about to give the Knicks their first championship since 1973 and we also see that he has this this little basketball you know that that he's resting under his chin. So uh, I mean, so it's really funny because the last time you were mm-hmm. on, we also talked uh, sports, right? And I'm not a sports mm-hmm. guy, but I know you're a little more of a sports guy. And we we talked about you know the the New York Giants because the uh, Harry and Jess were at a Giant game, and today it just happens to be that you know right at the beginning of this minute, he's talking about the New York Knicks. So what do you know about the New York Knicks? You're going to pick the one sport that I really was never drawn to, even uh, growing up in Detroit with the Pistons. I, I, I was aware of basketball. I knew some of the big names, but I have never been a basketball person. So beyond the fact that I know that's the name of one of the teams from New York, that's all I know. Okay. So do you, do you know what a – well, first of all, do you know where they play? No. Okay. They play in Madison Square Garden, which oh, is yeah. in a, right, which, is, which is the arena that they share – with the New York Rangers, who, you know, who are the hockey team, the New York hockey team. Um, the team was originally established in 1946. And uh, it was one of the, the team was one of the founding members of the Basketball Association of America, the BAA, which ended up merging uh, three years later with the National Baseball, uh, sorry, National Basketball League um, to eventually become the NBA. So the, the, uh, you know, I'm not really much of a sportsman, but I do know that that the, the Knicks only won two championships in their entire history in 1970 and 1973. So it's interesting that, you know, Harry mentions here that, you know, the Knicks, that, that he's going to help the, the Knicks, you know, win their first championship since 1973. And this is in 1988-89. And as of 2023, that hasn't happened again. You know, it's been 50 years since the Knicks have won. They've they've reached the playoffs. You know, even in the 80s, they reached the playoffs uh, six times. Um, then in the 90s, it's twice in 94 and 99. And they won the division title in 20, uh, 2012. You know, so that that's they they're they're not as uh, great a team as they they once were. You know, but the, the biggest question that I have for you now is. is where what is the what is a knickerbocker and where does that come from the name well, i was gonna i was wondering if you're gonna ask i do know just a little bit about the derivation of the name 
because it was going to be Knickerbocker or the Knickerbockers, but they just shortened it to the Knicks. Um, because no, it's official. I it? think it's officially the the Knickerbockers. That's where they started. Right, that's what it started as the Knickerbockers, but they've just shortened it to the Knicks as a, as of well, I don't know when it they got shortened, but pretty much right away. But I know it has to do with the fact that New York, as a city, was initially settled by the Dutch. And I think it has to do with the style of pants, isn't it? Isn't that your Knickerbockers? So it's it's actually the a Knickerbocker is a pseudonym that was used by Washington Irving. He he wrote a book called The History of New York, and it was a name it was it was a name that that referred to descendants of the original Dutch settlers. Right, but I think that's because of the pants style. Because knickers, like you, you get your knickers on, your knickerbockers, but knickerbockers are your are your uh, pants. It could be like a lot of times, maybe your underwear. But... Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's where it basically comes from. They they decided to use it because uh, you know Washington Irving's uh, story. Eventually, you know New Yorkers were referred to as knickerbockers afterwards uh, because mm-hmm. of the story. So that that's how uh, that that came around. So here we have Harry, you know, uh, comfortably lying on his bed, watching, <laughs> watching Dick Clark, which we also talked about on Friday. So you, you you missed that one too. And and then he takes the ball that he's holding and he throws it to try and hit a basket. And he gets like this wicker basket uh, on the side of a uh, a bookshelf or a bookcase. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, did you count how many books are on that shelf? Did I count how many books are on the shelf in a shot that lasts maybe two seconds? No, I did not. Well, excuse me. That's the, the idea of pause. That's what you do. That's what you do when you do a, a movie minute by minute, don't you? Uh, yeah, you do. Um, I One of the things I did notice was there are several books, and they're all kind of like haphazardly placed. Some are on the shelf are all kind of – like they're not lined up all pressed together. They're either angled one way or the other, or on the shelf, you kind of see off the top of the screen, half the shelf, their books are laying sideways, stacked on top of one another, and the rest are kind of angled. So Correct. not not a lot of not a lot of organization. No, no. We, well, we know that Harry is less organized than, than Sally. Sally is a little more organized than, than he is. Okay, now I was able to count. Uh, actually, you know what? Why don't you try and guess? How many books do you think are on these shelves that we can see? Um, 20. 49. There are 49 books on the shelf. Okay. Wow. Maybe I've got a smaller screen. <laughs> I only see 20. <laughs> no, you're probably right. I haven't counted. Yeah. And, and you, I, I was able to, to, to read 19 of the titles. Okay. So, so as, as you know, that I always do, and this, this also is connected to, our earlier minutes this season, I actually went and started looking up some of the books to see if they're real books or if they're mm-hmm. just, and they happen to be. Okay. I'm, I'm just quickly go through all the names of the books that I, that I found on that. I was able to read what the, their names are. Okay. You have a maggot aliens among us, girls in high places, uh, exile, uncomplicated, uh, past Mexican set, Vatican, the ringmaster, uh, I think it says going on the market, the practice, the triumph of politics, the lady, Sharp's siege, the center, the backgammon book, the straw giant, the cost of living. 
So, <laughs> you know, I, I looked up some of these and they are real books. And some of them even came out in 1987, 1988. You know, they, they probably just went to a bookstore and said, all right, what are we going to take? And just brought a whole bunch of, you know, the production uh, designer just brought a whole bunch of modern books so that, uh, you know, but as you said, I mean, it's completely disorganized the way that it is. And, you know, and we know how Harry reads books. You know, he reads the last pages. So one of the things that did catch my eye, I didn't count the books and I didn't really look for the titles, but you have no choice, but your eye is drawn to where the basketball is going to head, you, where the basket is. And I thought it was interesting that the one book that to me, my eye was drawn to was Vatican. Correct. That, that To me, I don't know if there's any symbolism for it, but growing up Catholic, knowing that the Vatican has its own city state where the Pope is and the idea of hope and redemption and love and the church, everything that we want to think of is kind of associated with me growing up through the Vatican. Here he is at his worst. He's kind of alone. He's trying to convince himself that this is better. I'm okay here. And yet there's the symbol of hope just sitting right there, <laughs> right across. And, from and what's the name of the book yeah. to the to the right of that? Uh, I can't tell. The Ringmaster. The Ringmaster. There you go. That's, I think, another uh, hint, you know, that, that he mm -hmm. should be getting married <laughs> to Sally. Maybe. Definitely. It's something about taking a leap. The, you know, the Vatican brings up the idea of church. Of course, you get married in a church. It's a service. We all, you know, I'm not, regardless of your individual faith, everyone knows that, you know, that's the, the, the center of the Catholic church. That's where Correct. the Pope mm -hmm. comes yeah. from. So regardless of what you believe or choose not to, historically, we under, we associate it with some kind of a faith or religion. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so he looks a little disappointed that, that he missed the shot. <laughs> oh, and I was going to say, symbolically, how important is that? Here he is, you know, sports guy, loves sports. He's like a foot and a half away, and he misses the the easy shot yes. while he's trying to convince himself that this is better. That's true. <laughs> and and then the scene changes, and we we are at the, the party that, that Sally has is attending, and she's there with Justin and, uh, and Marie. And it starts off by we see a huge disco ball, and there's there's chandeliers, there's balloons. Now, what really gets me about this is, is that earlier in the movie, you know, when when Harry called Sally and asked her if she's going to the to the party, right? So he's he made it seem as if it's the same party that they went to last year. This is a much more extravagant party than the one they went to last year. The one that went to last year was in someone's apartment. You know where they need to get a little bit of air and went out onto the to the balcony. Mm -hmm. You know, no, so it doesn't make sense. Well, this is the this is a New Year's Eve celebration. I mean, this is like like you said, it's the rocking New Year's Eve. This is where you go. It's a big gala. So everybody's staying up to ring in the New Year. Correct. But my point is, is that that it, they made it he made it sound as if it was the same uh, party that they went to last year. Yeah. No. Not nowhere close. You know, and then uh, so we, we get to hear the, the the music that's playing there, you know, uh, which is "Don't Get Around Much Anymore" by Harry Connick Jr. We see Sally, you know, dancing with somebody. Uh, she doesn't seem to be very happy about uh, dancing with this guy. Uh, the guy also doesn't seem to be so happy either. You know, the way that that he's just moving. There, you know, he, he looks like he's holding a rag doll by the way that he's dancing with her. <laughs> 
you know, and then he like dips her and she's not too happy about that either. And then he does a, does a twist and she gets really close to, to Marie and Jess and she looks at him and says, I don't know why I let, I let you drag me into this. <laughs> what I love is, is, and it's not so much that, I mean, obviously she's not really interested in him, but she seems to be looking for somebody else. Like she's looking around the room. Like I'd rather, I, what do you think she's looking for? Based on the maybe, way she's maybe she was looking, this. maybe she was actually looking for, for Jess and Marie. She's looking for a way out. That's what she's looking for. Is that how you see it? Yeah. I, I was, I'm just curious because it doesn't look like she's necessarily, she's not pain. She's just, she just keeps looking around at anything else but him. You see her try to look across the room. She looks at, over his one shoulder, then looks to his other shoulder. And then she gets dipped and pulled away. And then she's like, you know, like, like you said, thank you. What, what am I even doing here? That's right. But, but again, is, it, is the reason that, that she's not happy to be there because she's alone? Is it because she's not with Harry? Is it, I mean, there's so many different things that it could be. See, I, the romantic in me wants to think if we butt the scene up with him and her, he's alone trying to convince himself that this is better. Is she doing the same thing yet subconsciously looking? Is he here? Did he come? Is it, would I see him at this party? Right. But why would he be there? That's, that's, that's the other question. Well, but that, but don't you, when you are trying to convince yourself on the surface of something, we're better off like this. This is fine. I I don't. And then deep down your subconscious is getting to you because are you just lying to yourself? Are you fooling yourself? And so is she subconsciously looking for him, even though there's no, there's really no chance he'd be there. Like is, is, I see it as an actor's choice. It looks like it's not just looking for a way out. It's almost like she's wistfully hoping, although she doesn't have any hope on her face, but she's looking is there, is there any chance he'd be here? Correct, but but part of the whole idea of what we've seen over the last week or so is that she, you know, or the the actually the last uh, two weeks, is that she doesn't want to have anything to do with Harry because she's fed up with with the way that he was acting, and mm-hmm. you know he's she, she's she's moved on. She says, okay, I I I thought for a little while that maybe he might be the one, but he's not. So I'm, uh, you know. I don't care. Um, um, you know, she's, I, I guess, in some ways hoping that the guy that she's dancing with would be the one, but uh, apparently not. I just feel like the psychology of relationships, of human emotions, even if somebody irks you and you convince yourself, okay, you're just not for me, suddenly absence makes the heart grow fonder. Okay. And it's, in, and it's entirely possible. I may be wrong, but because we know it's a rom-com, I think I'm already programmed to kind of have certain expectations. Right. Okay. That that that's true. But that's because they go you, through. Let me ask you this: Have you never done that? Have you ever been somewhere where it's massively crowded and you're not expecting to see somebody you know, and all of a sudden you see somebody you're like, "Whoa, what are you doing here?" It's of like, course, of course, that right. that that happens to everybody. I mean, it's not. Uh... I think when we have those experiences, there's a part of us deep down that sort of you know that little piece that still wants to believe in magic and hope and 
dreams come true mm-hmm. could get the better part of our judgment. And we want to try to convince ourselves like, oh, it's, it's possible. Maybe this person will show up or maybe it may not even be him. Maybe she's just looking for somebody better than who she's with. It just for me, because we're this deep into the movie, I can't help but think she's looking for the person that she may realize she's had more of a more, more of a connection with. Right. Okay. That, that, that is fair, but you know, she, you know, on the one hand, if she's looking for something better than the guy that she's dancing with right now, I mean, it, it's actually funny. I mean, I'm jumping a little ahead in the minute, but the guy who's telling a joke is someone else, you know, so she's right. She's not there with someone in particular, you know, no, she, I know. she's just there with whoever, uh, you know, she, whoever asks her to, to, to dance with her, you know, that type of thing. So uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, th- I think she's looking for some salvation. I think she's, I think she's thinking to herself, I just don't want to be here. It doesn't matter the the situation. It doesn't matter, you know, why. He j- she just doesn't want to be there. Just like last year, she didn't want to be at the party either, but at least she was with Harry. So, you know, she enjoyed herself more because she was there with, with her best friend. Mm-hmm. And now she's there, you know, on her own. And, you know, Jess and Marie are there. They're together. She's not with either of them, you know, because last year they weren't even at the party either. So I don't know. Something to think about. I don't know that there's a right answer, but I do enjoy throwing my wild, crazy ideas about what I see from an acting perspective, the the choices an actor makes. Right. Right. I mean, and, and she does a good job here of that, for sure. You know, there there is the idea that, okay, she is looking around for something. What she's looking for, that we're going to have to try and, you know, that that we can speculate on. But mm-hmm. but she is looking for something. You know, and, and uh, maybe she'll find it this week, next week, something. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. maybe. We'll have to wait till the movie ends. Yeah, uh, yeah, more or less. But it, it probably won't happen in the three days that you're here with us. We go back and, and we see Harry walking down the street. And we once again get a little bit of a voiceover. And he says, this is much better. Fresh air. I have the streets all to myself. Who needs a big crowded party pretending to have a good time? Plus, this is the perfect time to catch up on my window shopping. And then he goes, this is good. So as he's walking down the street, there are certain things that we can notice that, that uh, you know, of, of the stores, you know, he goes by like a, a salon and then he walks by uh, what is uh, easy to, to, to point out as a uh, barbershop. And what is sitting outside the barbershop? A barber pole. Oh, the pole? Yes. Yeah. Do you know the history of a barber pole? What it what it means? You know, there's a little tickle in the back of my mind that I know the trivia behind this, but I could not make it up right now if I had to. Okay. So so don't. You know, and and, and I'll actually tell you what it is. You know, you, you don't need to make it up. <laughs> so first of all, do you know what the job of a barber was in medieval times? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with cut or shave you okay have, you've cut never you've shave. never seen the steve martin sketch on saturday night live the adork of york medieval barber nope okay 
definitely you should go see it. You should go uh, search for it. You could probably find it on on YouTube. Um, uh-huh. So basically, the idea is that that you know he does medieval things, and and the main thing that that a medieval barber used to do is bloodletting. But but we'll get there in a second. Okay, first we're okay. first we'll talk about the barber's pole. Okay, so a barber pole is a type of sign used by barbers to signify the place or shop where they perform their craft. The trade sign is by tradition dating back to the Middle Ages, where you have a staff or a pole with a helix of colored stripes, often red and white in many countries, but usually red, white, and blue in the U.S. The pole may be stationary or may rotate, often with the aid of an electric motor. Okay, Um, uh, sometimes there are even lighthouses that uh that have been painted with the helical stripe stripe as a day mark the lighthouse could be described as having been painted in a barber barber's pole colors okay so the origin of this is that barbers used to perform surgery okay they, they their their two jobs were were surgery and tooth extractions <laughs> okay i did not know this all right again you should you should definitely see the the clip about this it's 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 very very funny with uh steve martin uh so the original pole had a brass wash basin at the top representing a vessel in which leeches were kept and the bottom representing the basin that received the blood the pole itself represents the staff that the patient gripped during the procedure to encourage blood flow Okay, because they would do bloodletting. <laughs> they 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 often believed, you know, that that what you needed to do was to, you know, uh, bloodlet in order to get rid of diseases that were in the bodies. Okay, in Renaissance era Amsterdam, the surgeons used to co- use the colored stripes to indicate that they were prepared to bleed their patients red, set bones or pull teeth white, or give a shave if nothing more urgent was needed. Blue. That's why they have the three colors, okay? After the formation of the United Barber Surgeons Company in England, a statute required the barber to use a red and white pole and the surgeon to use just a red pole. In France, the surgeons use a red pole with a basin attached to identify their offices. Blue often appears on poles in the U.S., possibly as an homage to its national colors. Another more fanciful interpretation of these barber pole colors is that red represents arterial blood, Blue is symbolic of uh, venous blood, and white depicts the bandage. Mm. Okay. Um, in Forest Grove, Oregon, they have the world's tallest barbershop pole. How tall do you think it is? No idea. It About is 50 feet. 72 feet. Oh, over. That's, that's, a, that's a tall pole. Yes, that is a very, very tall pole. It's it's one of symbols that are used for advertising that have that have been used for for many many years. So you have the barbershop pole, you have the apothecary apothecary's show globe, the uh, tobacconist's cigar store Indian, and the pawnbroker's three gold balls. Mm. Okay, those those were always the symbols which uh, use it. Now in both of our uh, home state, Michigan. All right. In March 2012, they had legislation that proposed that barber poles should only be permitted outside barber shops, shops, but not traditional beauty salons. Apparently, there was there was a lot of argument that, uh, you know, between the the barbers guild, 
and the the lollipop guild and the <laughs> and the beauty salons that they wanted to use it also. You know what's funny though? Growing up, I just always assumed barber was associated with where men went to get their hair. Me too. That's right. In, in South Korea, it's even crazier. Okay, barbershop clothes. Wait, wait for this. Are used both for for actual barbershops and for brothels. Oh, don't make a mistake and let your wife know. <laughs> the brothels disguised as barbershops are more likely to use two poles next to, next to each other, often spinning in opposite directions. So the use of a single pole for the same reason is also quite common. Okay. Um, and one of the cool things about the spinning barber pole is, is that it is a visual illusion in which the stripes appear to be traveling up or down the length of the pole rather than around it, which obviously mm -hmm. they're, they're, they aren't. Um, there are all these different sayings of barber, barber poles uh, used in aviation and in spaceflight and stuff like that. Uh, gambling, it's, uh, it's a term in uh, craps. So, I mean, the, the, the term barber pole is unbelievable how many different uh, uh, places that it, it's used. That's, that's kind of cool. I did not know that you might be in a brothel. Talk about having a pole and a meaning in a completely different way. Yes, that is true. A, a spinning pole. <laughs> mm. A colorful spinning pole is probably, it probably means that something is, is not right in that particular brothel. <laughs> if that uh, is what you're dealing with. So, yeah. Okay. So then he says about window shopping. So what is window shopping? Well, that's something that, based on the description is when you're kind of going store to store, you're not necessarily going in the store yet. You're looking at what's in the window to entice you to maybe come in the store. So stores have learned to put displays in their windows to try to get you to off the street to come on in and shop. Correct. All right. And uh, I mean, window shopping, which is also known as browsing. Okay. It's the activity in which a customer browses through or examines a store's merchandise as a form of leisure or, ex or external search behavior without a current intent to buy. Depending on the individual, window shopping can be a pastime or can be used to obtain information about a product's development, brand difference, differences, or sale prices. Okay. How I know my wife and I like to do this on a weekend. We'll go downtown and we'll just say, let's grab a drink or something because you can walk around with a, 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 a an approved cup and you can just kind of go around and we'll just say, let's just go down. The the phrase we use growing up, which I don't know if people use anymore, but we would say, let's just go around, let's go bumming around down, downtown. We're just right. going to go bumming. And so the same thing is kind of like, we're, we don't have an, we're not going to buy anything. We don't have an, we don't have anything that's on pressing, but who knows? We might see something and sometimes we will buy something. Sometimes we won't. We're just enjoying seeing what's available. Right. That's true. And uh, what what's really, how far back do you think the idea of window shopping goes? Oh, this has to go back. I mean, since commerce started being in the stores. So I don't know about Shakespeare's day because I don't know when glass became prevalent for a lot of these stores, but certainly the, during the Victorian age. Very good. So it was the 17th and 18th century Europe, which is when it started, when people started going to, to when they started having outdoor malls and stuff like that, where you had shops, you are correct. So nowadays... What do people do? Do people still mostly, besides you and you and your wife, what do most people do with, how do they window shop? Well, you know, now we live in the 21st century, so you can do a lot of your window shopping online. Which is what most people do. And that is, there is now a term called e-window shopping. 
Okay, where you can just browse through various websites, you know, looking for things. Mm -hmm. and Why do you think Amazon knows the psychology of shopping? And when you look at one thing, as you scroll, it says, here's what other people also might have looked at. This might be of interest to you as well. Correct. They're trying to get you to do a little e-window shopping. So hopefully you'll find the thing you suddenly realize you can't live without. That is correct. So that, that's just really cool that, that uh, you know, they found a way to update even window shopping. <laughs> and Harry then continues walking down the street and then he stands in front of a, another store and he actually sees a whole bunch of little uh, uh, I don't even know what you would call them but you see the heads of some some famous uh, movie characters yes it's it's odd because I do know all of them yes but I don't know why it's just their head. Yeah, maybe they're paperweights? I don't know what they are. I mean, obviously it looks like a collection, some kind of a collection, because they're all got the same caricature style. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what the point of them – and I, don't, I was never really into collectibles anyway. But as far as just a curiosity shop or just kind of a knickknack shop, I don't know why you would want like – you've, like you've collected the guillotine leftovers – of these characters. Correct. Correct. Now, do you know, obviously, all these characters, so you have you have Laurel and Hardy, and then you have... Laurel and Hardy. Three characters. Dorothy. Dorothy. you got the witch, and you've got the scarecrow. Yes. All right. Let's play the game. Why this shot? Have you thought about it? Why would you see these particular characters, the way they're aligned, give any thought? Is there any psychology to this, or is it just... Because you see his reflection technically in the glass almost floating alongside of them. Correct. Well, maybe that's because, uh, you know, uh, Harry Burns is as iconic now as, as those five characters. <laughs> well, I don't think they were thinking about that at the time they made the movie. I'm sure they were all hoping this will be the classic. But no, seriously, have you thought at all about why maybe this shot? Um, I didn't think about it till right now when you mention it. And as as I'm looking mm -hmm. at it, I say... Okay, well, first of all, you have Laurel and Hardy. These are best friends. You know, these these are actually two people who were basically thrown together by accident because they 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 happened to have good chemistry together and they they built a career together. I mean, they, they had a, they had a hundred, they made one hundred and seven movies together over the period of their 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 career. So, you know, th that's one thing. And then, uh, you know, you have the whole idea of Dorothy. With uh, the the scarecrow, you know, the scarecrow, she says, I'll miss you most of all. Mm -hmm. So, again, Let best me... friend. And then the Wicked Witch is, is uh, I don't know, Harry's ex-wife. <clears throat> all right. So I'm going to go in a similar, but uh, as, as only I can do, a tangential direction with this. Because when I saw this laid out and I kind of paused it, Laurel and Hardy, two comedians, two iconic comedians who have completely different looks. But even though they were great on screen, you know, they had a they had a big falling out for a long time between one another. A lot of these duos, you thought they were best friends because of the way they acted on screen, but there was something keeping them apart off screen. Okay. You've got in between Dorothy, the girl between these two, the the two different sides of, you know, this comedic duo, 
who also is always yearning for something over the rainbow. There's something better out there. I just, I've got to find the perfect thing. I, I can't settle for where I am. I'm not happy here. There's got to be something better if I just keep looking for it elsewhere. The scarecrow is that symbol of, you know, you think you don't know anything, but it's, you do. You, you, you've just got to start listening to your own intuition. You, you are smart. Just because you get a piece of paper that says diploma doesn't suddenly make you smart. The scarecrow always had brains. He just didn't have any recognition of the brains. So you've got these facets of Harry and Sally's relationships all illustrated. And the one thing that keeps them from actually coming together is, the, is that voice in your head, that wicked witch that's always telling you the wrong things. You do the wrong things. And that's what's on the highest pedestal and is what's keeping him from being able to be happy. Wow. Okay, that is a great analysis. Um, I, I, I have a feeling that, that Rob Renner didn't even think about this when, when he set it up, but I, I, you sold me, so there you go. I don't know how else, like you're looking at the, how else, I mean, why? I mean, I guess it's possible, it's totally random, but knowing what I know about the characters, about the, and it is the characters, it's not the actors, because you've got the Wicked Witch dressed as the witch, you've got the Scarecrow as the Scarecrow, it's Laurel and Hardy, the characters. You've got Dorothy, the character. So what do we know about their characters? And I think there's no other explanation but that if he could just stop letting the Wicked Witch, and same thing with her, if you could just start listening to your brain and start not, you know, talking yourself out of all these bad things and assume the worst, you know, that maybe you could eventually be happy. Very cool. I, I, I like it. You, you sold me on it. And so then as Harry is looking at the, these, these figurines, so he, he hears mm -hmm. giggling behind him and quickly turns around, you know, which sort of takes him out of, you know, it, let's, let's go with, with what you were talking about. He's, he's thinking to himself, okay, these characters are, or these figurines are represent what I'm going through in life. And then he's taken out of it by hearing, you know, a woman giggle. And he quickly turns mm -hmm. around and sees a couple, you know, standing on the, uh, I guess they're window shopping also on the opposite side of the street. And then it reminds him that, you know, I had so much fun with Sally. You know, I, I'm, I'm yearning for that too. It makes him, you know, really, really miss it once again. Yeah, I think so. I think you have no, you, you can't help but draw that conclusion. Plus the fact that she's blonde a little shorter. He's got hair similar. Like you've got similar hairstyles between the two of them. Yeah. Obviously it's not them, but you could make the reasonable assumption that there's a similarity in their body type. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And, and then he, the, like the, the man goes in for a kiss and then it cuts away and shows us Harry and you see a sad look on his face. You mm -hmm. know, this is it's part, forlorn. part of his, yes, it's part of his realization that he made a mistake, mm -hmm. you know, and then we, we go back to the party and we, we see people dancing. We see a couple hugging. We see people drinking, a lot of people drinking. We actually even see a couple who put their, their hands, uh, you know, they in, intertwine their hands in order to, to drink champagne, mm -hmm. which, which to me has always been very uncomfortable. I don't know why people do that, but whatever. From the romantic perspective, I can understand, but it's just not comfortable. <laughs> It's, I think I see that more often still today at like weddings when you're joining together for the first time, you're sharing your first drink in 
in wedded matrimony. Right. Okay. I don't know how many people still do that. I mean, I guess obviously they're doing it here in this movie, but the, the times I've seen it has been at weddings. Right. Okay, that's fair. But you're right. It's it's not something my wife and I look across the room at each other and say, "Come here, let's lock arms and interlock our elbows and try to drink." And we don't do that. That's right. <laughs> and then the, the the shot goes back to Sally who's basically suffering through listening to another man talk to her. He tells her the end of a punchline, and he says, so the guy says, read the card. I've always, I've always wondered what the full joke is, <laughs> even though the, right. the joke of it is that it's just not funny. That's, that's the idea, that, that she's suffering through it, that there's this guy who thinks he's telling a funny story, and he's not. Mm-hmm. And she is not happy about that at all. And you can see it on her face. She's like, okay, I'm being mm-hmm. polite. She doesn't even giggle at his, at his joke. She just, like, stares at him. She's got, like, the, a hint of a smile, but, like, the courtesy. It's a courtesy smile. smile. Like, exactly. Yeah, like, I'm gonna, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a bitch. I'm not gonna do something just to be snarky. I'm just, I'm, I'm tolerating the fact that right now, polite society says I should at least pretend like I care. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> You know what I love about though, and this and, and rom coms when done well do this. They show us just how dumb we all are when it comes to relationships, especially trying to make the first impression, trying to wow somebody, trying to figure out what to say, how to act, how to behave, and, and it's all a game. And the thing is, everybody knows it, and yet you still enter the stupidity of playing the game every time you start. Yeah. But that's because we're we're we we all want to you know finish the game and win the game. <laughs> well, and the thing is, we want to impress. And the, the the sad thing, and and this is just a statement on relationships. This is actually why I think my wife and I um, are such good. We're so good together, is because we didn't think we were ever going to be together together. Right. We just thought we were friends. Mm-hmm. And so I never, I was never trying to impress her and she wasn't trying to impress me like we often do with a quote date our first date sure. we're trying to like mm-hmm. wow somebody and the funny thing is we both said to each other when it started to escalate we were like the crazy thing here i can't put airs on now i can't suddenly act in a way that i don't normally act because you've seen how i normally act right. you, you know the real me mm-hmm. and, I, and too often i think re- relationships fail because they get so into it so quickly the act is still the act. It's not who you really are. Right. Not to say that you're not a that you're a bad person, right. but we tend to go a little over the top to impress, and then once we won, we kind of scale back. Correct. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I mean, I'm I'm doing uh, interviews, you know, at my office. I'm interviewing people, and it's the same thing. You know, you think to yourself, okay, is the person pretending to tell me? You know, are they acting in a way that's pretending, or you know, once they, you know, once I choose who gets the job is, are they going to still act the same way or, right. or not? You know, same type of, you know, the irony when I was in management, we often were told you don't really know an employee until three to six months into there because they'll correct. keep up the good habits because they got the job and they're excited, but you'll figure out their real habits in about three to six months. That is correct. And that's part of the, 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 the trick. You want to try to to prophesize <laughs> mm-hmm. and hope that you get that yeah, one. You, you as the interviewer, you're trying to figure out, can I see through the BS and am I still okay with this person? Yes. <laughs> or is this person really giving me their real 
personality. Is this who I'll have six months from now? Correct. That's the hard part. That it is. That it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's funny that, that, that I, I, many times I say that the correlation between, you know, in job interviewing and dating is, is very similar. The fine line is very similar when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, one, one of them has larger consequences. <laughs> yes. One, they both have a financial component, but one hurts a lot worse. Yes, for sure. That is very true. So do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the, to the script? No, I think I'm good. Uh, I, I'm, I very much enjoyed, and I'm glad you allowed me to have a little bit of that moment of the, the what I thought was the visual symbolism of the particular character. So I'm, I'm curious to see what other people might say or if they saw it, if they go back and watch and they go, I never thought of it that way. But it, it, who knows? I, I, that's just me. Right. I like uh, I, I think that way, so I assume others do too. And I'd like to believe that a talented director – may have actually put a little thought into why these, why those heads in the scene. Right. Could be, or it could just be that the, the set designer liked uh, the Wizard of Oz and Lauren Lon Hardy, and that was it. Could be as could simple be. as that. I No, I'm not belittling it. I agree with no, no, you. No, no, no. I'm saying, no, you're totally right. And, totally and right. we'll never know. <laughs> we will never know. So the, the, the script is actually a little bit different. The, the dialogue at the beginning with Harry and his voiceover is the same. Um, instead of throwing a, a basketball, he, he he throws a wadded piece of paper and and uh, misses. And then it says that uh, his mind begins to drift and we push in on his face. And then it pulls out and we're at New Year's Eve a year earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it shows us the scene from a year earlier, which was actually partially cut out. Uh, because the dialogue, I mean, I mentioned this when, when we dealt with that dialogue back then, but I'll just read it again. Okay, so Sally says, do you think the fact that we're friends is keeping us from finding someone? And then Harry says, yes. So I think we should stop being friends, go home right now, and make love. And then Sally says, you don't mean that. You know you don't mean that. Um, and then, you know, it goes back to Harry's bedroom, and then it says, Harry, thinking about just what, thinking about what just went through his mind, and then Harry goes, air. Air would be good right now. And then it goes to the party, and it gives a big description of it. And it says, a great big New Year's Eve party, just like the one uh, we saw a year earlier. The mirrored ball is twirling, twinkle lights on everyone's face. Sally dancing with a tall man. He dips her. She's appalled. Upright again, she catches Marie's eye as the tall man swoops her around, about the floor. Marie is dancing with Jess. Sally says, I don't know why I let you drag me to do this. And she's dipped again. And then once again, we're back on, on the street. Harry walking down the street past shop windows. Then we hear a voiceover that he says, this is good. This is good. New Year's resolution number one. I got to do do this more often. Window shopping. All the fun and none of the expense. He passes a couple. The woman is laughing. We push it on Harry's face. And we see, again, Harry. It, it, then it takes us back to Harry and Sally in the temple of, of uh, Dendor. Pepper, pepper, pepper. Sally is laughing over it. We hear, I think you should wear skirts more. You look good in skirts. I do? Yeah. And then it uh, goes back to Harry. Harry, more agitated by his thoughts, he walks into an ice cream store. And then it says, back to the party. Sally is laughing merrily at a joke some man has just told her. Marie passes her by. Sally turns her face quickly towards Marie, her face quickly passing from happiness to anguish. That's what we have here for the uh, for the script. So I, I I like the way that they did it in the movie. 
I think it's, uh, you know, we'll get there tomorrow and the day after about the, 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 the different scenes that they replay for us, you know, the reminiscent mm-hmm. scenes. There is merit in the way they do it in, in the script, you know, by zooming in and showing us that this is what's going through his mind, you know. Right. But either way, it's, uh, it's fine. So, uh, because Alan has been here before, so we're not going to do, uh, uh, Meg Ryan Monday today, because you're going to have to wait two weeks to hear uh, my thoughts on what my top five Meg Ryan movies are. But instead, I decided since since I haven't had the opportunity to do so throughout the entire season, so for the next three days, I will give uh, some off-the-beaten-track stories from, from of my own about uh, dating stories. So the segment off-the-beaten-track, either the guest or myself, will give some sort of story, anecdote, uh, adventure, misadventure, something that has happened to us over the course of our life that is somehow re- related to dating or courting. So uh, during my single years, which was, uh, uh, it was about 10 years between the, the, the beginning of the 90s and the beginning of the aughts, as they say. Um, so someone actually told me before I started dating that what I should do is keep a list. So I actually still to this day have a list of every single woman that I went out on a date with. Okay. Really? Yes. And I continued the date. I continued the the list after I got divorced, you know, and so, you know, I have my, my first wife was actually number 81 on the list. Okay. Most, most of those were, were just, uh, you know, blind dates, one date. Um, There are some obviously that, that, that were longer relationships that also, you know, were on the list. Uh, so like I said, my first wife was number 81 and my second wife was, and, and hopefully my final wife is, <laughs> is, uh, 96. So, you know, in the course of wow. my dating history, I have dated, uh, nearly 100 women. There are a few, the, uh, I think there were two or three that I dated more than once throughout the course of <laughs> that time that I, sometimes I didn't even know that I had already dated them. You know, one of the, one of them I did know. You know, I asked her out again and we went, we tried again and it just didn't work. Uh, but there was someone who, um, who we, we went out and I didn't even remember that we would have gone out and we met at a, some social event and I asked her out and she said, you do know that we've gone out before. And I said, really? And we had gone out like uh, three or four years earlier. And talk about undermining the, the second date. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> we, we went out once the first time and it, you know, I, I did, neither one of us saw any future and that was it. And then a few years later we, we met and, you know, we were both in different places. Actually the second time it was already after I was divorced. So we're, so it could have even been like seven or eight years later or whatever it is. Wow. Um, and we actually did it for a few weeks uh, the second time, but she ended up breaking it off because she couldn't handle the fact that I had a, had a child. You know, it, it just ah. really bothered her to be dating somebody who, you know, who had gone through a divorce, but, but still had a child that, that wouldn't be hers. Yeah. So whatever. So I just figured I would I'll bring that up. I, I, I have a few other stories, uh, but it, it's really interesting looking at the list. Cause I see like, which ones, which, which women I went on to, uh, to movies with, which ones I went, I took out to restaurants, you know, who uh, sometimes went to plays. There was one girl who I even took uh, to a shooting range on one of our dates. Uh, you're like the, you're like the rom-com Terminator. I have detailed files. <laughs> I, trust me, they're not you, detailed you files at all. You didn't just write 
their names, you wrote down where and what you did. Did you did you put any other details? I mean, the how, date. how detailed the date. is the date? No, the date. I, I had I had four columns. It has the uh-huh. you know the 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 woman's name, the uh, the the date that we went out. You know the 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 uh, yeah. The, uh, well, it's funny using the word date here because it it, it applies both to going out on a date right. and the date. You know uh, the calendar date. Right. So, uh, mm-hmm. so then I have calendar date where we went on that particular date. And then the, the, the fourth column was after it was over. Uh, why did it end? You know, was it because I didn't want to go out again? She didn't want to go out again. Uh, neither one of us wanted to go out again, whatever, whatever the case may be. You didn't have like ranking one to 10. I didn't need ranks because once, once I wasn't going to go out with someone again, then it didn't make a difference. So why rank them? Do you have? Did you ever compile your list of all the people that only made it past one or two and go, these are all the traits I don't like? Or did you end up finding out that it had nothing to do with, I'm just curious, like, was there a pattern of people that you didn't end up liking? Was there a pattern like, they were all short. I didn't realize all the short women in my life, I didn't really enjoy being on a date on, or all the tall women, or all the... No, no, I never never did that. All the dark... I never did that. So you never saw a pattern? No, there was no pattern. It was, just, it was just a question of what worked and what didn't work. Exactly. You know, the ones there are obviously when looking at the list, I can see, you know, which ones worked for longer and which ones didn't work at all. You know, because it's right, so curious. What, what, what are some of the things that work for longer? Like, what are the things that you realize are similar or, or are they? they? They aren't. That was the whole thing. It was, it was just chemistry. That's crazy. It was chemistry. Just, just chemistry. It was chemistry. That's crazy. Okay, see, to me, like, that's a social experiment, you see, because you detailed it. So many people wouldn't do that. I'd be curious because I'm nowhere near in your category of numbers, but I, I would be curious because I think there were some similarities that I found myself drawn more toward attributes, but part of those attributes were sense of humor. Obviously, that's more personality, right. but I realized there were a couple of people where I'm like, I cannot be with you. I don't care how great you look. You are a miserable human being. I can't be with somebody who's never happy. You right. Know? Of course. I, I had I had those also. Sometimes, you know, some of them, there were, you know, maybe I didn't like the laugh. You know, we, we all have the, the idiosyncrasies. Don't, for, don't forget. This you got was, funny toes. This was, this was during <laughs> the Seinfeld era. So, you know, <laughs> that had a lot of influence also. You know, loud talker, soft talker. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I know you. I've seen your detail-orientedness with your website, with your movies, with the way you do your the, – the way you come up with things to fixate on in each minute. Why am I not surprised that you have a <laughs> dating summary of everybody you've ever gone out with? Why, I don't know why I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a list that no one else has ever seen. You know? Really? Yes. Not even the wife? Nope. Nope. Does she listen to these podcasts? Because she may want no, to. No, she knows. She knows there's a list. Episode. She does know there's a list. Oh, okay. But but she's never seen the list. You know. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> That's so wild. Yes. That is so wild. I am. Wow. Okay. You've as a listener, and I'm live with you. I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's bananas. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I'm glad that I was able to to even shock you, Alan. <laughs> that. It, Nearly speechless, which is good because we're at the end of the episode. But dang, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm glad you found, much like me, sometimes it takes uh, – uh, we hate it. I mean, believe me, I, I, I don't think anybody goes into a first marriage going, I can't wait for my next. 
Um, but I'm very, very happy where I am now. And I, I wish you the very same, that the lessons you learned yeah, from round one, you, you've, you've got them well in place. And that round two means the permanent. The first was a, a rough draft and this is now yeah. the final. Well, again, the, for, for me, the, 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 you know, my first marriage lasted two years and now I'm, we're in another two months, we will be celebrating 13 years that, since we got married. So, you know, it's, it's, was it six times as many, many years that's, uh, so yeah, so far so good. <laughs> so ironic, you're, you're coming up on 13. For me, I just did a quick uh, calc in my head because today we'll be in two weeks, basically on the uh, on May 12th, or about just less than two weeks. Yeah. My my honey and I will hit 14 years. Ooh, great, very nice. 14 years that you've been married. Married, correct. Right. We've known each other probably another four years prior to that. Right. Well, because we, we heard as, we already heard the story of you know the. You know, going yeah. going to, you know, going to get married when you didn't want to. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, what, we when you didn't feel the need to. When you didn't feel the need to. How's that? That's, you didn't feel the need, right? That's right. And it's ironic. We spent like just the money on the. Uh, all we spent was just on the marriage license, and we're not only just as married as we were before, but longer and happier than before. There you go. That's great. That's all that matters. Yeah, it is very true. That is very true. All right. So, Alan, you want to tell people where they can find you? Sure. If you want to go back and check out a couple of the movies that we did, The Wilder Ride, me and my buddy Walt, uh, the first season we did The Young Frankenstein. The second we did Blazing Saddles. We evolved it into a talk show for the next couple of seasons. I, all those guests are evergreen as well. A lot of fun. But if you want to check out those two uh, first seasons, just look for The Wilder Ride. Go to thewilderride.com. Look for it on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But uh, just the wilder ride, any podcatcher, and uh, enjoy binging. All right, I, I, I can attest that it, it's a good thing to binge. Uh, some of some of Alan's older shows. You know, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying uh, going through uh, uh, Blazing Saddles. So yeah. And uh, while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you're using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, moveyourupminute.com. Calm. So, Alan, you you want to come back again tomorrow and uh, you know and and have to go through another uh, long episode with me? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I, <laughs> I I've missed it. I'm glad I'm back to uh, kind of wrap up the movie. So yeah, let's do it again. All right, great. So until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you had to be you